he became pale under this terrible threat, but replied with simplicity, "'Monsieur, you are wrong in acting against my orders.' Porthos and Aramis, mute and trembling at the top of the parapet, cried to the musketeer, "'Good D'Artagnan, take care!' D'Artagnan made them a sign to keep silence, raised his foot with ominous calmness to mount the stair, and turned round, sword in hand, to see if the officer followed him. The officer made a sign of the cross, and stepped up. Porthos and Aramis, who knew their D'Artagnan, uttered a cry and rushed down to prevent the blow they thought they already heard. But D'Artagnan passed his sword into his left hand. Monsieur, said he to the officer, in an agitated voice, you are a brave man. You will all the better comprehend what I am going to say to you now. Speak, Monsieur d'Artagnan, speak, replied the officer. These gentlemen we have just seen, and against whom you have orders, are my friends. I know they are, monsieur. You can understand whether or not I ought to act towards them as your instructions prescribe. I understand your reserve. Very well. Permit me, then, to converse with them without a witness. Monsieur d'Artagnan, if I yield to your request, if I do that which you beg me, I break my word. But if I do not do it, I disoblige you. I prefer the one dilemma to the other. Converse with your friends, and do not despise me, monsieur, for doing this for your sake, whom I esteem and honour. Do not despise me for committing for you, and you alone, an unworthy act." D'Artagnan, much agitated, threw his arm round the neck of the young man, and then went up to his friends. The officer, enveloped in his cloak, sat down on the damp, weed-covered steps. "'Well,' said D'Artagnan to his friends, "'such is my position. Judge for yourselves.' All three embraced as in the glorious days of their youth. "'What is the meaning of all these preparations?' said Porthos. "'You ought to have a suspicion of what they signify,' said D'Artagnan. "'Not any, I assure you, my dear captain, for, in fact, I have done nothing. No more has Aramis,' the worthy baron hastened to say. D'Artagnan darted a reproachful look at the prelate, which penetrated that hardened heart. "'Dear Porthos!' cried the bishop of Vannes. "'You see what is being done against you,' said D'Artagnan. "'Interception of all boats coming to or going from Belle-Isle. Your means of transport seized. If you had endeavoured to fly, you would have fallen into the hands of the cruisers that plough the sea in all directions, on the watch for you. The king wants you to be taken, and he will take you.' D'Artagnan tore at his grey moustache. Aramis grew sombre, Porthos angry. "'My idea was this,' continued D'Artagnan, "'to make you both come on board, to keep you near me, and restore you your liberty. But now, who can say, when I return to my ship, I may not find a superior, that I may not find secret orders which will take from me my command, and give it to another, who will dispose of me and you without hope of help?' "'We must remain at Belle-Isle,' said Aramis, resolutely. 
and I assure you, for my part, I will not surrender easily. Porthos said nothing. D'Artagnan remarked the silence of his friend. I have another trial to make of this officer, of this brave fellow who accompanies me, and whose courageous resistance makes me very happy, for it denotes an honest man, who, though an enemy, is a thousand times better than a complacent coward. Let us try to learn from him what his instructions are, and what his orders permit or forbid. Let us try, said Aramis. D'Artagnan went to the parapet, leaned over towards the steps of the mole, and called the officer, who immediately came up. Monsieur, said D'Artagnan, after having exchanged the cordial courtesies natural between gentlemen who know and appreciate each other, Monsieur, if I wish to take away these gentlemen from here, what would you do? I should not oppose it, monsieur, but having direct explicit orders to put them under guard, I should detain them. Ah, said D'Artagnan. That's all over, said Aramis gloomily. Porthos did not stir. But still take Porthos, said the bishop of Vannes. He can prove to the king, and I will help him do so and you too, Monsieur d'Artagnan, that he had nothing to do with this affair. Hm, said d'Artagnan. Will you come? Will you follow me, Porthos? The king is merciful. I want time for reflection, said Porthos. You will remain here, then? Until fresh orders, said Aramis with vivacity. Until we have an idea, resumed d'Artagnan, and I now believe that will not be long, for I have one already. Let us say adieu, then, said Aramis. But in truth, my good Porthos, you ought to go. No, said the latter, laconically. As you please, replied Aramis, a little wounded in his susceptibilities at the morose tone of his companion. Only I am reassured by the promise of an idea from D'Artagnan, an idea I fancy I have divined. "'Let us see,' said the musketeer, placing his ear near Aramis's mouth. The latter spoke several words rapidly, to which D'Artagnan replied, "'That is it, precisely.' "'Infallible!' cried Aramis. "'During the first emotion this resolution will cause, take care of yourself, Aramis.' "'Oh, don't be afraid.' "'Now, monsieur,' said D'Artagnan to the officer. Thanks, a thousand thanks. You have made yourself three friends for life. Yes, added Aramis. Porthos alone said nothing but merely bowed. D'Artagnan, having tenderly embraced his two old friends, left Belle-Isle with the inseparable companion with whom Monsieur Colbert had saddled him. Thus, with the exception of the explanation with which the worthy Porthos had been willing to be satisfied, Nothing had changed in appearance in the fate of one or the other. Only, said Aramis, there is D'Artagnan's idea. D'Artagnan did not return on board without profoundly analyzing the idea he had discovered. Now, we know that whatever D'Artagnan did examine, according to custom, daylight was certain to illuminate. As to the officer, now grown mute again, he had full time for meditation. Therefore, on putting his foot on board his vessel, 
moored within cannon-shot of the island, the captain of the musketeers had already got together all his means, offensive and defensive. He immediately assembled his council, which consisted of the officers serving under his orders. These were eight in number, a chief of the maritime forces, a major directing the artillery, an engineer, the officer we are acquainted with, and four lieutenants. Having assembled them, D'Artagnan arose, took off his hat, and addressed them thus. "'Gentlemen, I have been to reconnoitre Belle-Île-en-Mer, and I have found in it a good and solid garrison. Moreover, preparations are made for a defence that may prove troublesome. I therefore intend to send for two of the principal officers of the place, that we may converse with them. Having separated them from their troops and cannon, we shall be better able to deal with them, particularly by reasoning with them. Is not this your opinion, gentlemen? The major of artillery rose. Monsieur, said he, with respect but firmness, I have heard you say that the place is preparing to make a troublesome defence. The place is then, as you know, determined on rebellion? D'Artagnan was visibly put out by this reply, but he was not the man to allow himself to be subdued by a trifle, and resumed. Monsieur, said he, your reply is just, but you are ignorant that Belle-Isle is a fief of Monsieur Fouquet's, and that former monarchs gave the right to the seigneurs of Belle-Isle to arm their people. The major made a movement. Oh, do not interrupt me, continued D'Artagnan. You are going to tell me that that right to arm themselves against the English was not a right to arm themselves against their king. But it is not Monsieur Fouquet, I suppose, who holds Belle-Isle at this moment, since I arrested Monsieur Fouquet the day before yesterday. Now the inhabitants and defenders of Belle-Isle know nothing of this arrest. You would announce it to them in vain. It is a thing so unheard of and extraordinary, so unexpected, that they would not believe you. A Breton serves his master, and not his master's. He serves his master till he has seen him dead. Now the Bretons, as far as I know, have not seen the body of Monsieur Fouquet. It is not then surprising they hold out against that which is neither Monsieur Fouquet nor his signature. The Major bowed in token of assent. That is why, continued D'Artagnan, I propose to cause two of the principal officers of the garrison to come on board my vessel. They will see you, gentlemen. They will see the forces we have at our disposal. They will consequently know to what they have to trust, and the fate that attends them, in case of rebellion. We will affirm to them, upon our honour, that Monsieur Fouquet is a prisoner, and that all resistance can only be prejudicial to them. We will tell them that at the first cannon fired, there will be no further hope of mercy from the king. Then, or so at least I trust, they will resist no longer. They will yield up without fighting, and we shall have a place given up to us in a friendly way, which it might cost prodigious efforts to subdue. The officer who had followed D'Artagnan to Belle-Isle was preparing to speak, but D'Artagnan interrupted him. Yes, I know what you are going to tell me, monsieur. I know that there is an order of the king's to prevent all secret communications with the defenders of Belle-Isle, and that is exactly why I do not offer to communicate except in presence of my staff. 
and D'Artagnan made an inclination of the head to his officers, who knew him well enough to attach a certain value to the condescension. The officers looked at each other as if to read each other's opinions in their eyes, with the intention of evidently acting, should they agree, according to the desire of D'Artagnan. And already the latter saw with joy that the result of their consent would be sending a bark to Porthos and Aramis, when the king's officer drew from a pocket a folded paper, which he placed in the hands of D'Artagnan. This paper bore upon its superscription the number one. "'What more?' murmured the surprised captain. "'Read, monsieur,' said the officer, with a courtesy that was not free from sadness. D'Artagnan, full of mistrust, unfolded the paper and read these words. Prohibition to Monsieur d'Artagnan to assemble any council whatever, or to deliberate in any way before Belle-Isle be surrendered and the prisoners shot. Signed, Louis. D'Artagnan repressed the quiver of impatience that ran through his whole body, and, with a gracious smile, "'That is well, monsieur,' said he. "'The king's orders shall be complied with.' End of chapter